0: This is SMQB's lucky number 13. That's right, episode 13, and it is a fun one. We have a master's recap that we're going to talk about. Uh, And then, more or less, the rest of the show is uh, dedicated to beating up on Major League Baseball for one of a host of reasons that are pretty easy. So uh, check it out. And listen, hey, if you guys uh, enjoy the podcast, do us a favor, leave a review, give us some stars. Uh, Everybody likes five stars. So uh, do us that or tell your friends to listen and uh, have fun with the show if you think it's a good one. On the people,
1: on the booth,
0: from the people on the people, my, it's the roof, on the ceiling, on the people, I got people. On the, Episode 13, lucky number 13 for the SMQBs, and it is a week of drama on the green and for those in the green. House, what quarterback for the Eagles took the last
2: offensive snap last year? That's a great question, um, but it was not Jalen Hurts. It was not. Carson Wentz. I believe. I think it was, it was uh,
3: Sudfeld or whatever his face was.
0: Nate Sudfeld has signed with San Fran. The Eagles Uh are without another quarterback. It's just every week there's an Eagles quarterback story. Is there no number two? Who knows? Who knows at this point? Wow! All
1: right. Did you hear the Pats cut Edelman just now? Yeah. Breaking news. Physical. Yeah. Yeah. Is he he already on the box? He's retiring,
4: right? He's retiring.
1: He's yeah. going to retire his knee. He didn't pass the physical because of his knee. The, the, same Eagles,
0: the Eagles just traded a first-round pick to pick up Edelman to play
1: quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he played quarterback in high school. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah, the same way Gronk retired. He'll be on the Bucks by tomorrow morning. Yeah, his, knee'll, his knee let, will be fine. Let's oh, talk gold. together
4: for Mr. Brink. Wow. The master plan.
0: Oh, well, speaking
4: of master plan, let's talk uh, nice about segue. the real
0: green that mattered. Nice segue, Milk. Take us away the master's tour.
4: Well, I'd love to, but I think the first thing I'm going to do is start off with an apology to our listeners, because (laughs) if you tuned in last week and were smart enough, stupid enough, I don't know, to take our picks and then take your hard-earned money and gamble according to those picks, then you most likely lost every penny that you had. (laughs) I'm um, going to throw out some names here. These were our predictions for the Masters champion. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, DeChambeau, who I believe the quote from Pope was something along the lines of he was going to tame the
1: fairways or yeah, bring the course to its knees. Bring, bring the, the course, course to, its, to its knees. Pretty sure okay. I said
3: he could. Correct. Oh, here um, we go.
4: Lee Westwood was thrown out there, Brooks Kepka, uh, that was another one, Oof. and Morikawa. Although there is a dispute on whether it was Matsuyama. I, yeah, or,
2: I said Matsuyama. Oh, I don't right. think so. No, you don't know, um, need our. Yeah. We need. We really need our post-production team to work on the audio clarity. <laughs> you don't <laughs> yeah. get the Japanese name field
4: on that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Guys, I think it's time we face the music. Uh, we got crushed there. I don't even think any of those guys. None of them are relevant. Uh, did any? Well, I, I any, picked Spieth. Spieth, okay. You're right. You did. We got one him, out of 10.
3: You had him as your pick and your dark horse, which maybe yes. that gave him extra. Oomph. Ugh.
1: And then, then I did just what Patrick's accused me of doing uh, during March madness. I turned around and pit, picked somebody else for my pool,
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, Right.
1: but you won your
3: the,
4: pool. I did yep. the same thing, but we'll, we're going to let that pass. Anyways. Listeners, don't give up on us because we are going to make you some money before the end of the year. I don't know how. To, oh. Well, here's here's Oof. an
1: inside tip to the listeners on that score. The more confident that Pope and House sound, <laughs> the less likely they are to be correct. So we go, go in the opposite direction. <laughs> oh, so we're already forgetting Oral Roberts. We're forgetting Oral Roberts. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> who's that? Oops. What are
2: we talking about? Nope. <laughs> did you like the Masters?
4: Uh, I think, by the way, and a special apology to Nase's cousin if he's
1: listening. I think his house is he getting more clothes next week. I, he, he may not
0: be listening anymore. <laughs> he, he used to. He listen. He can't
1: afford the Wi-Fi connection any longer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: but look, uh, congratulations in order for for Hideki. Uh, really, a, a you know, he's kind of like the best golfer, I think. To uh, that everyone kind of doesn't really know about, or they're not on, he's not on anyone's radar, but he's actually really solid. I mean, I think he was as high as what I, he was number two in the world at one point. And I remember when he won the, won the Memorial in 2014, and I, you know, he was supposed to be this next big thing. And I think he won a few more tournaments and kind of fell off, but uh, it was, I'm not shocked that he won a major. I I feel like that was going to happen in his, in his career, but everyone's kind of, you know, I guess, shocked because he sort of fell off and he's not really well known. You know, he's not one of these big names like DJ and 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 these Brooks and, and all that. But can I just say, as a guy who appreciates the pressures of golf, how, what it must be like to have literally an entire country rooting for you right. to, to win a master uh, to win a major. Like this guy went in with a 54-hole lead, and the entire he is the only player relevant in Japan. Like there's no one else. We get, we get kind of we're kind of spoiled as Americans because there's, there's I a mean, ton of great American golfers. We're usually winning a, a major at least three out of four every year. This guy is the only player in Japan that's that's relevant on the PGA tour. And to go into that Sunday. And it, the wheels could have fallen off. I mean, number one, I mean, he started off in trouble. Um, there was a couple, couple times throughout the the round that, you know, you felt like it could go the way of Xander, and we'll get into that in a second. But he he played well enough to win. He didn't shoot a great round, 73, but it was good enough. And uh, to do that with the, the weight and the pressure of an entire country rooting for you, I don't know. I just thought it was pretty awesome, and that's a lot – A lot. I mean, winning the Masters is hard enough doing that and winning it for your for your country, you know, is all rooting and tuning in just seems even more challenging. So good for him.
1: Do you guys remember when Ichiro first came into Major League Baseball and the amount of uh, press coverage he would get from the Japanese press? And he was like, you know, one of nine people on the team. This guy's out there playing solo for the country. I mean, amazing pressure, I'm sure. You, you, Darvish had the same phenomenon when he came to the
2: Rangers. I mean, the media was just all over him. That was one of the more interesting observations they said yesterday that the Masters, the media, is not allowed inside the ropes. And it's an interesting thought that if the Japanese press were allowed inside the ropes for the four days of that tournament, whether the pressure would have gotten to Hideki, because that would have been a massive, like you guys said, you know, with Darvish and Ichiro, the massive number of media. He actually was had the benefit of being able to block that out inside the ropes and not have to put up with any of that media circus.
1: And how cool was it that Shoffley spoke Japanese and was able to talk to him during the Saturday and Sunday rounds? I mean, that was, that he he's a class act. I have to give him that. Schauffele is a class act.
2: It's it's really good for the game of golf when these countries break through, but particularly, I mean, it's been very clear in golf for the last several years that, you know, the Asian continent, their interest in golf and, you know, just they're crazy, crazy about it. And there, there've been a lot of, you know, they discussed on, on the on the broadcast, you know, there was Shingo Katayama and it was a Aoki and even going back to Tommy Nakajima and all these guys. But no one had ever broken through. And so for that country, for Hideki to break through, I mean, he's a forever hero forever. The funniest about Nakajima was
3: he was on the broadcast
4: <laughs>
3: he was the voice of the Tokyo
4: podcast
3: yeah. and they kept playing him uh, whenever that, you know, he'd either hit a really good shot or the worst was when he, he hit over the green into 15. And I think house you texted, can you say (laughs) Vanderville? Well, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Bob. No, no, it's, uh, you know, I like to have my virtual background, which kind of represents my thoughts on, on a pod. And, uh, for our listeners, um, maybe you can see on our Facebook page, but I've got, more, uh, the caddy for Hideki bowing, um, as he is, uh, taking the flag away, uh, the amount of cultural respect that, uh, that they have for the game, uh, that the Japanese people have, you know, they've been talking about is Hideki going to be either a, the bearer of the, uh, Olympic torch. Uh, as they're going to light the cauldron in uh, Tokyo, or is he going to be carrying the flag for the Japanese contingent as they come out into the opening ceremony? Um, so, so hard for us to understand the impact uh, that this has. And, you know, Tiger and uh, Jack both tweeted, and I uh, retweeted for the SMQBs last night, great quotes where they were honoring, he was both honoring Hideki and talking about the great impact it would have on the game of golf worldwide by having Japan have a, a green jacket. So, you know, like hats off, bow, curtsy, whatever to, uh, to Hideki and his crew. Yeah. And... So,
0: well, so, you know, it's funny. So I was thinking a lot about this because there's, there's always a lot of um, hyperbole in sports And in watching all the discussion about what it means for Japan and for a culture and and all this stuff, I sort of stopped for a second and started thinking, like, is this just media hyperbole at this point? And and I was trying to think, like, we're talking, I mean, it's the masters. That's, I get it. But I really started thinking, like, what, why does this mean so much for a country? I mean, what does it mean? Why do you get there? And I guess I got back to the point where you know sports, even for a bunch of guys like us who are past our prime, dare I say, and and uh,
1: speak for yourself,
0: towards more towards middle age than not. But even pop you know, sports shot. are sports. Sports are still for kids, right? And 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 even for for adults who watch it, it's a kid's uh, uh, fantasy land, and that's why we get so enthralled by it. I think. And I, and I think when, when you talk about what this must mean for a country, I kind of have been focusing on what it means for the kids who are picking up golf clubs today or who will start to play the game because their families had them up at, what, two in the morning to start watching the round yesterday. Um, and and I think that that's, that's the story, at least to me, that's why it's not hyperbole. To talk in the context of how much it means for a country is that there will be a generation of kids who will grow up with an interest in the game of golf because they will remember being shaken out of bed in the wee hours of the morning to go and watch the final round. And I think that that's that's kind of one of those uh, uh, common denominators for all people across the world. Right. The the interest and the really what's what's almost living vicariously through that athlete who's out there and doing something great and why you root for him so much. So um, you know, I I I don't want to say I was skeptical of the importance of the story, but I, I actually tried to think about it as opposed to just going with the moment. And and uh, that's so I, I'm I'm even more swayed as to what a big story it is.
1: Let's not forget that Japan swept the Masters. The women's yep. Masters was won by a Japanese golfer.
3: Well, yeah. and Hideki said he was inspired by that teenager who won the National Augusta Amateur for Women the weekend before.
2: I think she was 17 here's, years old. Here's the really cool thing about the Masters for that entire country. that Sometimes I think we forget, you know, of course, the other three majors in golf, they rotate, you know. So PGA is always somewhere different. The Open in Britain is on a rotation in the U.S. Open. Masters is the Masters, always in Augusta. And so every single year when you see these holes, if you turn on the television in Japan, you get to relive the glory of the same hole. You know, you get to relive the shot of where he made birdie, where he did go into the creek and where they got nervous. Oh, so I remember. With, and that's what's so cool about the Masters. Same course, same azaleas, same Ray's Creek, same bridge. And um, they get to re- relive that glory of the same course every single year.
4: Yeah. It, it, awesome. It's an awesome experience. You guys have you've been there, right, House?
2: Yeah, I was I was there <coughs> in this sp- Spieth meltdown to Danny Willett.
4: Ooh. Oof. Yeah. That's tough to stomach. Um, well, so speaking I was of there meltdown, in 09. Yeah. Let, Who let's won that? Who t- won let's talk about meltdowns because this Don Hill Cabrera won in 09. Uh, that's right. Sorry, Mel. Sorry, about. So so I was kind of texting everyone y'all remember yesterday that I thought the Masters was going the way of very boring told you and then we get to the 15th hole Hideki in the water Uh Xander's in the sand he gets out he birdied right and then that and then, close to eagle yeah he, <laughs> he was so close Hideki
2: that's, that's one inch for our listeners
0: let the record reflect that Brian Pope was holding his <laughs> fingers about an inch apart
4: Hideki bogeys, right? So what did did it get to at that point? Two?
3: Two. It was 12. Hideki was 12 and Shoffley was 10 going into the tee. And then we go to
4: 16 and, oh, tough moment for Xander. Wow.
2: And you know what the thing is? If you'd been watching throughout the day, 16 was an unbelievably gettable par three that day. There were a lot of guys. There were guys that were scaring that hole from a hole in one, like one one after another it was a totally gettable forget about par it was a gettable
4: birdie hole yeah yeah he just choked i mean literally it it was tough to see i mean
3: it was it was hard you know Dottie pepper said a wall of wind hit it but joffley admitted that they they misplayed the wind he said he hit the right club as far as what he wanted to do he just misplayed the wind but you can't do that you you got to make sure you get the ball up on the spine like Brando Chamblee said. You get it up there and let it roll down. Got to hit a 7 instead of an 8. Hideki hit a 7 and and he was he was fine. I mean, he, you know, difficult to putt, but he was able to make it.
0: But is that a choke or is that just, you know, you're you're playing Augusta and, you know, you're in the Masters. Is that really a choke or is it just that at some point the course
2: gets you? I think it's a little bit of a choke only because, you know, I was joking with you guys by text that, you know, with the basketball analogy, you didn't have to go for three, you could go for two. I mean, you know, just put it on the fat of the green and let it roll down and give yourself a shot at a birdie putt. But he went for everything. He went, he went to even up the whole match on that. I think that was the mistake. I I think he made a mental mistake and he says he, he hit a perfect shot and he hit it flush, but obviously directionally, it wasn't a perfect shot.
4: Well, how bad was his third shot too? Oh, it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it was two in a row. Yeah. Right. I mean, That's what made me it, think nerves got to him because it was like, if he could have got up
3: and down and bogey, then, you know, he would still have been, uh, within shouting distance. But I mean, you know, it was what five, five shots after he got off the green.
1: You, you know who I think is a big picture choke is Deshambo. I mean, <laughs> you know, two years ago and, and, in you know, in stark contrast to Matsusuma, um, Two years ago, he arrogantly brags that he thinks his course plays like a 67 instead of a 72. Of fives. And since that time, he's shot a 70, a 74, a 69, a 73, 76, 67, 75, 75, and finished, um, you know, a plus five for this. Um, and in 2020, he was, what, 18 shots behind DJ. I mean, you talk about a choke. He he keeps bragging about bomb, being a bomber and he's and he's screwing up the par 3s this year. He was plus 8 on par 3s this year. Horrendous putting,
3: but at the same time, I mean, he only hit 55% of the fairways. You're not going to bring Augusta to its knees. By hitting 55 percent of the fairways, I mean there was one one time I saw him on uh, on 13. He hit the ball at a place that <laughs> the announcers go, that's not where uh, normally you hit the ball. Uh, and he had 160 in, and he hit a wedge in, and he got an eagle on the final round. Uh, if he could have done that on a consistent basis, he would have gone, he would have won going away. But he couldn't keep the ball in the fairway. But even so even why, when so you don't, so why not hit it, a
1: par? Why not hit a three wood? off the tee, if that's how far you hit the ball and be in play on every, all these. That's holes. not, that's not how he rolls. And and, and, and that also, doesn't explain his, his horrible play on par threes.
2: In masters, one of the, one of the names of the game is strokes gained. So even when you're not in the fairway, you've got to be able to scramble. You've got to be able to gain strokes from the rough. I mean, that's what was so Second impressive. Yeah. well, Sorry. Sorry, Augusta. Um, Sorry, you want to butler, play there, second cut but butler cabin. I don't I don't think I'm gonna <laughs> get that County. opportunity. But listen, I the I want to make sure that folks understand that Hideki, no question about it, he won this tournament. Nobody lost this tournament to Hideki. I mean, he he was really he got to a point where he was almost on autopilot. Yes, he had a couple of shaky holes at the end. But he was just so so solid, and he, you know what did he get up to at one point? He got it up to minus thirteen. Thirteen on yeah. yeah. I hear you. I, I don't know. I I, I, I hear I think... your
0: point, but but and and look, I don't want to take anything away from the guy who won the Masters. That's not my intention here. But so many guys, particularly that this group of people thought would be in contention, just shit the bed in the first two days and, and were out of it. I mean, you could argue a lot of people lost it on Thursday and Friday.
1: Yeah, I mean, look at the big names who missed the cut. It's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. Look, DJ, defending champion. Yeah. But Lord, I, would, I would
3: argue, though, that Rose, uh, more than any other golfer, lost the tournament. I mean, he shoots a 65 on Thursday. It's his tournament to lose. I mean, everybody said that. He's up by four shots. All he has to do, all he had to do was shoot four under in three days, and he would have got, 11 under he would have won the tournament
0: isn't that preposterous though isn't that a preposterous statement that where he was at the end of the day thursday at yeah. the masters it's his tournament to lose you can't you know, say that.
4: not not yeah, not yeah, at all When, when the rose, masters on thursday if
3: if Ro- all rose had to do was shoot 70 the next three days and he would have won going away
2: it no was his way I, I know i would love to know the number of wire-to-wire winners ever in the masters spieth obviously very, very tiger, and tiger. The the winds kicked in on Saturday and Sunday. And what you saw Rose do over, he could not gauge the wind. He was just launching it over green after green, after green, you know, their conditions change. The conditions aren't the same as
3: Thursday. uh, He put himself in a position with his Thursday round that if he had had decent rounds, the two out of the next three days, he would have won the tournament. That's all I'm saying. And like, I'm not talking about going low. He didn't have to go low on any of those three days.
0: Can, can we talk about the most interesting part of the entire Masters? Without a doubt, the most interesting story of the entire weekend was the arrival of Zalatoris. I love it. totally
2: agree with this. Adam so Sandler's this caddy. Was,
0: this was your favorite part. Happy Gilmore.
2: You guys want to talk about Lightning McQueen? Ciao, ciao.
4: <laughs> Owen Wilson.
2: <laughs> Listen, I, it, it is a very nice story. The guy, all 125 pounds of him, he's got a very nice, got a very oh, wait, nice wait, swing.
0: Wait, I'm going to interrupt for a second, just for our listeners. Whenever one of us says. Look, it was a nice story. That means that previously <laughs> someone's been sending text messages <laughs> talking about what a fucking asshole the guy is. How this is ridiculous. <laughs> and then we come on here and we dial it back about eleven degrees. So that's that's kind
3: of what's happening no, it's, here. It's, someone it's, go. Hey. It's a judicial version of with all due respect. That's what
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, I <mean>. that's right. <laughs> it just I just think that it, it's a good story. He's a nice player. The 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 I, we were talking about this on the pod a few weeks ago. How desperate the pga needed like a new face somebody to grab onto you could hear that in the broadcast booth they were pretending like he was a 16 year old who'd never played golf before he is 24 years old not 20 not 21 he's not a speed he's not a matthew wolf he's not one of these one of these guys that just like just got you know onto the tour he's 24 years old with a really nice swing and he was overwhelmed by the moment of the back nine i i are, are we all came a, in second? We, he
4: came in second. He solo solo second place. Okay, but he shot Sh- a seventy, right? Yeah, so he shot a yeah. seventy Sol, on Sunday. Sole what that possession making? of
1: second place. He's he won overwhelmed by about one point seven one million stroke, in winnings right? too. On that. he, 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 he came in stroke. second
2: because Shoffley went in the water on sixteen. I mean, you know, oh. I think he's a nice player. I think he's a nice player, but this gushing love affair that everyone's having with will zalatoris i'll just say this cousin nace don't bet your future your next house on will zalatoris
3: i,
0: I look i am
2: i want to still is technically anybody, a
0: rookie
3: he doesn't it's not his tour even card. on the tour he doesn't have his tour card but
0: can can we confirm did somebody call Child uh, Protective Services, because clearly this kid has been malnourished his entire life growing up. I mean, there really ought to be an investigation in that, at least now that he has some money in his pocket, maybe he can afford his, his three meals a day. I
3: mean, he's a 28 waist size, for God's sake. Yeah.
1: It looks like milk. Look,
3: I mean, I, DeChambeau's I, bicep is 28
1: He and inches. milk are going to binge and purge together. <laughs> wow. Let me
4: tell you something. I love this kid. Uh, I want to see more of him. Golf is, and I said this this morning, sometimes it gets very robotic. It's a very, you know, it's it's a very relational sport. It's a, it's a very individualistic sport, right? So as fans, often we like find ourselves, we like the players we kind of connect with. It's kind of the reason I hate Brooks Kepka because I don't connect with him at all with his nice strut and everything he does. But it's like this Salatoris winning. Kid, yeah, winning anyways, is what he means. And he went to FSU, but that's another. <laughs> yeah, thing. I might say
3: he's a no,
4: uh, But it's like this Salatoris kid. He's kind of like he might be playing in a foursome with you on a Saturday, right? Like he might be your guest at your member guest, and at the end of the member guest, everyone's making fun of him, calling him Owen Wilson and Happy Gilmore's caddy. Like he kind of just he was he was he has a good sense of humor. He's the kind of guy you want to go golf with and have a couple of beers. I, I just, I, I like him. I hope this isn't a one-time thing. I liked how he, I mean, look, we've seen a lot of guys go into Sunday with that pressure and come out shooting 82, 83. Right. I think the 70 was, and that, I was pretty impressed by that.
3: That putt on 18 was so clutch. That made Hideki have to think about his tee shots on 17 and 18. I mean, that two shot, that was huge. Yeah. And it, nice. obviously, as Rooster pointed out earlier, I mean it. It backed him at one point two seven million dollars for a guy who's not even on the tour. Nice but I day. think there was somebody on the pod who went out as he's wanted to do and made a very bold prediction about this guy's future. You you care to repeat that? How are, are you talking are you, about? I, think I don't think house. I don't
2: I don't think you're going to see Will Zalatoris win a major. Oof. I just don't. Mm. I just don't. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't think the guy. First of all, you do need to be over one hundred and twenty-five pounds. I do think the the more the more they lengthen these courses to protect them against Bryson, you know, to protect them against Brooks Kepka, the harder it's going to be for now. The Masters, he's a great ball striker, so the Masters played well into his game. But you know, it'll be interesting to see him develop, and I will be rooting for him. I just don't, I don't think he's got the kind of play that's going to be winning Masters
3: see, if, if the wind I mean, wins.
2: The wind blows at Kia. Are we a little worried you might get blown off the T box?
3: Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to wear ankle weights.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Look, so let's close up here on the Masters overall. And we haven't talked about Tiger not being there. Obviously, none of these big names, maybe Speeth, you can throw them in there. We're in contention. You know, how did that affect it? What did y'all think? I mean, was it boring? Uh, what was it like without Tiger? Did it make a difference? I and mean, where do you guys fall on
1: this? I didn't think it made a difference. I, I thought it was good to see Justin Rose back. It was good to see Jordan Spieth back. Definitely. And yeah, it was it was a fun tournament. It, it, it was look,
0: it just it was not a drama-filled tournament. It just wasn't, you know, there was there was a moment there. 15, 16, I guess, where you thought, oh, maybe this is going to tighten up. But by and large, yeah, it wasn't that exciting. And I don't think that had anything to do with Tiger being there or not. I mean, there could have been a number of other players who were in contention and putting pressure on and and it could have been exciting. It just it just wasn't that exciting. I mean, that doesn't take away again from from Hideki's performance and what he did, but it just
2: wasn't exciting. I agree. I mean, except for when Tiger runs away with it, there was something about when Tiger ran away with it, that it was still really fascinating and fun to watch. But when someone's running away with a tournament generally, whether it's a big name or not as well-known name like Hideki, like, you know, when Rory went crazy at Congressional or even DJ last year, it's just not as, it's not as fun. Um, It's much more fun. Like Pope was saying while we were texting, it's much more fun when there's drama and the masters lack the drama this year. So in that respect, it just was a little, Less exciting. And look, I was not rooting against
3: Adekyi. I, I I hoped he would win. I just wanted to see a little drama. And I think I think his victory is even more special because he did have to hit the shot. When you know they said, "When do you think in your mind, you know that you had had won the green jacket?" He said, "When I hit that drive on eighteen, because you know he easily could have hit the ball into the woods and got trapped and potentially had to make a big putt just to go to a, a, a playoff." I mean, there was drama it wasn't the likely drama, you know, that you see almost every year at the masters. Um, I would give it, if I rank the tournament, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven.
4: Yeah. he almost don't, don't even feel that he only won by one stroke. Feels like more mm-hmm. than that.
3: Well, Tiger right. won by one stroke. Cause he had two strokes to play with on the 18 yeah. tee box. And he yeah. was able to cozy up a two putt, which is exactly what a did. Thank you.
2: I do agree with Rooster that it's it's good to, in particular. It's good to see Spieth back. It's two consecutive weeks. I think I do think Spieth is back. I think he'll be back in play for majors. And you will see Shoffley win a major. The guy is just there, yeah. major yeah. after major after major. He will win a major.
4: Yep. Yeah. And let's let's hope that this is a start of a several consecutive Brooks Kepska missing the cut.
0: And with <laughs> any with any luck, Will Z- Zalatoris win the very next major played because that would yep. be very special for the SMTBs. And, if
4: that happened. <laughs> and
1: and Pat Patrick Reed and uh uh Deschambeau continuing to choke, that would be fun too. Yes.
4: All right. All right well, what do we got next, Nace? House, House. Uh, um
0: your Phillies. They uh they stole one last night,
2: huh? Hmm. It was a it was a really entertaining game. The the Braves the Braves are a good team. You know, they won last year. Uh, the division, and they'll be back again this year. So the Phillies had a weekend contest against the Braves. They lost the first two in a highly entertaining game last night. It goes to the top of the ninth. The game is 6-6, and Alec Boehm, the Phillies' third baseman, makes it to third base with one out. And Didi Gregorius hits a uh, pop fly to shallow left field and amazingly, the Phillies' third base coach decided to send Bohm. And uh, Marcelo Zuna was the left fielder uh, who normally does not have a great arm. It was pretty much a bang-bang play at the plate, and the umpire immediately called Bohm safe. I kind of thought just in live action that he was safe. Um... Of course, the Braves went straight to replay and and a replay that must have taken at least five minutes. And if you were watching it on ESPN and if you didn't watch it live and you watch it the next day, you will not see an angle that convinces you that Bohm was safe. You won't even see an angle that persuades you that Bohm was safe. And in fact, if you just go on to Google and you put in search Alec Bohm safe you won't find a still image you will not find a single frozen still image where alec bohm any part of his foot is clearly on the plate um, you know why that is because he probably because he never the touched
0: the plate never, <laughs> touched, never touched the touched plate,
2: the plate. It, i guess the best argument is um not when he slid in initially. When he finished his slide, he did a little twirl, and it looked like it was possible that his toe might have touched the plate at that point before Diarno applied the tag. But even then, you should have seen some dirt clear from the plate, and you didn't really see it. And again, you can't find a still image of the toe touching the plate. And um, the the officials said uh, of Major League Baseball that they didn't see enough evidence to overturn the call yeah, on the field what's the, the standard field. what's the standard that's the standard the standard has to be that the, there has to be clear evidence to overrule yeah. the call on the field and so Boehm was marked safe and so of if course, he had been out then you think he, it would have he, been upheld it would it would have been upheld and but, you know that the, there we go again into all the controversy that flo- oh, by the way the Braves fans the Braves players the players went nuts, the coaches went nuts, the fans threw garbage on the field. I mean, and of course it's dominating a, a lot of the kind of like headlines. a Philadelphia
3: football game. By the <laughs> way, that
0: might that might be the most remarkable thing of the whole the whole play was that the Braves fans showed any emotion about what happened in the field. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> right. You know, just I just think this is so silly. Like, oh, and the NL East is such a close division. And if if this whole season is decided by one game, this is gonna be the game. I have a feeling there are going to be other games the Braves are going to lose in close games that might decide a one-game season, but whatever. Video replay has a problem across every sport. I think a sport that gets kind of close to getting it right sometimes is the NFL only because there's the coach's challenge. And you can decide whether or not you want to challenge a play, but even then, certain plays aren't challengeable. And even then, it's a strategy decision whether or not to call a play. And, you know, let's not forget in the NFL how badly they've messed up video replay. You guys remember in 2019, at the end of the season, the 49ers were playing the Seahawks. And at the end of the game, um, the the Seahawks uh, threw a pass to their tight end and the guy gets mugged in the end zone and it's under two minutes and they decide not to review the call and the Seahawks don't score. And as a result, the 49ers get the number one seed and the saints get knocked out of a bye and have to play a wild card. So the saints go into this wild card and they play the Vikings. And you guys might remember that game in the playoffs goes to overtime 2020, and the Vikings go all the way down the field, and again there's a clear offensive pass interference where Kyle Rudolph gets separation uh, from the Saints defender. Rudolph scores the touchdown, and because it's a touchdown in overtime, the Saints never get the ball back, and the game ends. And it was clear offensive pass interference, and yet they didn't change the call. And one of my questions is about video replay: is if the evidence is there what what's the point of having video this is what what all the braves players were saying last night and the coaches what is the point of having video replay if you're never going to change the calls if the standard is such that it needs conclusive evidence or whatever i just think that video replay should number one only be used by coaches and if there's evidence that shows that the play was wrong you you call it wrong otherwise leave the human element in the game. sometimes reps get it right. sometimes reps get it wrong. do you guys think video replay so, should be
0: in these games? so as a matter of course i I hate hate hearing about people complaining about referees and calls costing them games because you know if you don't like the call at the plate in the top of the ninth, then don't let the game be six six going into the top of the ninth, right? I mean so that's that's my starting point is I hate this but, we put video replay into these games with the goal of getting the calls right. Right, the, the statement was, well, look, referees, the game's fast. The officials, you know, they make mistakes. Humans make mistakes. We can correct that. But now what we're doing is we're letting humans in a box in New York or in a studio somewhere, they're making mistakes. We haven't eliminated human error. From any of this or maybe the mistake is the way the rule is put into place the replay rules are put into place in a boardroom somewhere with a competition committee we have not eliminated human error from affecting games all we've done is slowed games down by five to ten minutes while people look at calls and now we just have a different human to be angry at when they when they keep a call it doesn't work it doesn't fix games I would just get rid of all of it at this point. Let's just have the referees call the game. And you know what? There are going to be games that are won and lost based on a referee not seeing something. I mean, the, the most egregious one you can think of, and there was no way to fix it, was uh, what was the ref- the umpire in baseball? Uh, Je- Jeffries, Jeffries, who got the perfect game wrong for the Detroit. Oh, right. Yeah. Picture that kid who was like a rookie or or whatever. And he had a perfect game going and the guy blew the call at first base by about two steps and he couldn't do anything about it. And, you know, I mean, that's about the most egregious one around, but still let's just move on with this. It doesn't work. It hasn't fixed the the games to where we don't have any mistakes in games anymore. So let's just not even deal with it. That would be my take.
1: It seems to me that major league baseball's goal overriding goal isn't to make sure that it works. They, they're, they're confused. They have, this, they have the technology to get it right, but they have this overriding philosophy of, we don't ever want to question our human beings' uh, judgment calls, our, our umpires' judgment calls. Well, everything is a judgment call. If the technology can get you the right answer and you're going to use it, then get it right. Exactly. But, but stop exactly. mixing and matching what you're doing out there. You know, there are a lot of calls that, um, we'll get to this later, with the Conforto issue, but there are a lot of things, they're reviewing the play, but they're parts of the play that are not reviewable. So they they know what the right answer is, and they can't get it right because they've put themselves in a box with the stupid rules they've imposed because they're so biased against second-guessing their umpires. Pope, you know a little something
2: about a video replay in a playoff game? one, one Des Bryant versus the Green Bay Packers.
4: I mean, a catch
2: it was, a f- and that's what they called. And it. And he on the made field, a football right?
3: move and yeah. he made a football move. They called it a catch on the field and they overturned it. Said he didn't make a football move before he fumbled.
0: And ever but since sh- that day, nobody has any
2: idea what a catch is in the NFL. Right. Now. I mean, your right, guess is right. as good as, as mine. The human observation on the field was the guy made a catch, move on, keep the play going. Right. And I'm, Leave me i don't, I don't the, the one they to took away,
1: the, the one they took away from megatron i think was even worse i can't remember the circumstances but it was such a clear touchdown they took, took it away from him and it almost sucked the life out of him after that he just had no joy left and retired soon after i mean
2: should should you add video replay in for the playoffs because the games mean more should you add video replay I mean I kind mm-hmm. of agree with what Rooster says like if you have the technology and you have evidence of it don't be afraid of overruling your umps and protecting your humans if get the play right use
1: the right. technology for what it is use right. it quickly use it do, use it use it quickly and get it right like the SEC does in football now uh, I mean in basketball remember the the um, I think it was the LSU I can't remember year end of the year LSU and basketball. The SEC has its own crew. They're not sending these things to New York to be um, right. reviewed. They're doing it pretty much on the spot, and they're making quick judgment calls. By the time the refs get to the sidelines, they've got the call, and they just come back and announce it, and the game moves on. I mean, there's a way to do this right. I think I, I think they should get it right. I
4: I've seen it very effective in. Um, when in stealing plays, like when the guy going down the second and that quick slide, quick tag out, and then, you know, inevitably they review it and you get a really solid look and he either beats the tag or, or not. But I mean, there's been many a time, at least in games I've seen personally, where the umpires have absolutely been overruled. So I think it can be effective. It's just a question of, you know,
2: you know, the irony is it was, it was such a dumpster fire in the NFL that from 92 to 98, you know, they took it away. They started the NFL with it in 86. It went for six years and then it was a dumpster fire of a situation. And then they they claimed that the technology got better to bring it back in 99. And it's been like a real headache ever since, um, you know, the last pre-COVID season in 2019, there were 13 coach initiated coaches. Uh, challenges on pass interference and none were overturned which means that the refs presumably on the field the humans are, are pretty much getting it right the worst of all of them though the worst because it's in every sport but the worst of all of them is if you watch premier league soccer and you know all of us watch premier league soccer they have this you know video assisted referee var and they, they use it on everything, on fouls, on offsides, on everything. You know, leave it to handballs, leave it to penalties inside the box. But it slows the game down. Yesterday, there was a crucial call that changed a play in the game. Video is not helping sports. It's slowing it down. It's taking away the human element. Now, I say that until one of my teams gets screwed. but
4: Right, exactly. Uh, well, right. Well, That's I mean, right. Y- yesterday – It really benefits the, you. And
3: Tottenham and Man UK, I mean – I have no idea why VAR even got involved in that. That was, that was just a, a play through, um, you know, son, uh, from Tottenham, uh, got hit in the face, but I mean, it wasn't, wasn't violent. It wasn't intentional. Uh, and, and they, you know, they, they called off a goal. Obviously, man, you came back and won, but, uh, uh, the VAR and the EPL has been the bane of many, Many people who are watching that, especially over in England, I mean they're they're up in arms about it because they think it's changing the face of football over there, uh, and and there's a big movement to get rid of it um, because you know it's they say they don't even recognize the old observers say they don't even recognize the game anymore because of VAR. I mean you've got you've got in in action in the penalty box. You got a kick and a guy does this and it hits his shoulder as he's trying to get out of the way. And they call that a handball, give him a PK and the game is over in stoppage time. I mean, that, that is uh they, they've got to do something about that. But, you know, I did a little bit of research for this segment. What, what percentages do you guys think of the overturn, unless you already know for major league baseball, how many, how many calls you think are overturned?
4: God, you know Um, what, before we answer that, I am. I just thank you, Pope, for having a stat. I knew it was going to come eventually. <laughs> I, I love just, it. I was waiting for it. It only took 45 minutes, but it's here. Let's go for it. I'm, that's my I'm favorite go with, part of the
3: pod. I'll bet you i going to go 18%, 12%. No, 42% are oh,
2: overturned
3: or overturned. Yeah. How
2: that's about what I'm saying. NFL? I think it's more. I think How about NFL well. 20%.
0: Oh, and the NFL, I bet you it's like 60%. Because of the Four. challenges by the coach.
2: Rooster?
3: 50. 41%. Huh. And NBA, the other sport that I've found.
0: Oh, the NBA, 65. but the NBA, the NBA changes yeah. a call and then they change it to something else. They don't just overturn. I mean, they like they're like
3: the nba is a mess. I mean, well, just a mess. It's 19%. It's it's a lot. Wow. You know, coaches challenges on NBA is real tough. It costs you a time out. So yeah. Be careful.
0: Well, let's, let's look. This is, I mean, the, if the referees want to screw up games, you know, that that's, I just fine. Let the refs screw it up. Let's not let the leagues and these stupid rules and and, and all this replay, slow the games down, just, just make it so unbearable to watch and, and screw it up. You know, I, I, personally I'd much rather watch a guy who's, who's doing a little cheating behind the scenes and trying to get, get something around the referees like, uh, like Trevor Bauer, right? Can we talk about Trevor Bauer? I mean, oh, man. there's so much crap going on in these games besides, you know, just calling balls and strikes and, and, and referees or umpires and whatever. Let's talk about the Trevor Bauer story.
1: I, I, I'll be interested to see where Mr. Purist come to comes down on this one. but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I call this segment, uh, your favorite pitcher has been cheating his ass off for a long time. And major league baseball didn't care until Trevor (laughs) Bauer opened his big fat mouth. Um, you know, Trevor Bauer wrote uh, in one of his many tweets about two years ago that he's been trying to chase down the spin rate because he's identified it as such a massive advantage. He's, you know, he says, um, vertical movement is way more important than velocity and if he can get the right spin rate, he's going to be awesome. And he said, for he's been trying for since 2012. He couldn't find anything that worked really well except using foreign substances. And he turned around and said, and guess what the Astros are doing two seasons ago? That's exactly what they're doing. They're cheating Major, Major League Baseball. And Major League Baseball said, ah, go away. We, you know, It's a commonly known secret. Shut up, Trevor Bauer. We don't want to hear it. So Bauer's like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And he, so he starts doing it last year. His spin rate goes up something like 500 RPMs in, in one season, and he wins the Cy Young. So now Major League Baseball is like, okay, well, you know what? We just so happen to have this new technology called StatCast where we've got all these fancy cameras everywhere, and we can actually measure spin rates. And, wow, yours really did go up. So they confiscated a bunch of his baseballs, and – this guy who was trying to change the system, I think, is going to wind up getting suspended for calling attention to it in the first place. And he is a jerk. Don't get me wrong. I know milk. You right. hate him. I mean, he he came out recently and called Ken Rosenthal a gossip blogger, as if yeah. the guy isn't a serious journalist. Um, you know, he's a jerk. But I kind of feel like he put himself out there and said to Major League Baseball, I'm doing this. I'm telling you I'm doing this, and I dare you to do something about it. So should we talk about his record-setting contract now or after <laughs> we get to the yeah, end right. of the
0: segment right. about when he started cheating and when he signed that contract? I yeah, just
1: exactly. That be appropriate yeah, point. but I mean, I think he tweaked his nose at Major League Baseball, and they finally had no choice but to look into this.
3: Didn't you have a theory that he might have done that on purpose to even bring more attention to it by getting suspended?
1: I do. I think that he dared them to challenge him. He didn't hide it. He told them he was doing it. He re- put it in writing, you know,
4: and they lay the hammer down on him.
1: <laughs> lay the hammer.
4: Go this- get. I'd like, I'd eight men out him, get him out of baseball entirely.
1: I well, can't have be- this guy,
2: but be- before so- the stat cast came in, how many pitchers do you, what
1: percentage of pitchers do you think we're doing this? I would say there are hundreds of pitchers who are doing right. this right right yes. now, and one of them got his baseballs confiscated.
4: Well, he's yeah. an idiot. He brought it. He asked this to happen.
1: But so, they can so oh. so like like House was saying, Statcast has been able to measure the spin rate, and so spin rates and strike ups, strikeouts have gone up every year in like the past five years. Why is that? So it would it should surprise no one that the Astros
0: were the, the organization that really sort of figured out the spin rate thing in the first place. Right. I mean, I've, I've read stories yes, about pitchers, you know, who went there after, you know, being in, in the majors and had these devices, these stack cast devices around and learned about spin rate and how to utilize spin rate and, and Oh, how to increase spin rate too. And what a difference it can make. Um, so, you know, the fact that, that this all started with the Astros should shock exactly nobody. But, you know, putting something on the baseball to make it move funny. I mean, this goes back. Talk about eight men out. I mean, it goes back before the 1918 uh, Black Sox scandal. Right? I mean, it goes way back. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of funny because this is just what baseball cannot get out of their own way, Major League Baseball. I mean, the whistle gets blown on this thing a couple of years ago, and they don't do anything. And they, it's the same thing. Everybody knew the Astros were banging trash cans and, and cheating before the story broke. The, everyone in the majors knew what was going on. And Major League Baseball does not want to deal with this stuff until they absolutely have to. And so now you have Bauer – Yeah, I mean, he may have brought it on himself and maybe intentionally, but um, it's just this is just such a clumsy situation for baseball. And now what are they going to do? Because we know that that there's probably a really high percentage of pitchers who are doing this uh, every night when they take them out.
1: And they're and they've gone way beyond, you know, a little pine tar on the back of the hat. They're using these custom blended stuff and you know, expensive blends that are hard to detect. And pretty soon, you know, it's it's going to be standard fare. I mean, and it is, I mean, they're doctoring the baseball. The game is named for the ball. Yeah. Shouldn't there be some integrity in the damn ball? <laughs> well, listen, I mean, like Bison was saying,
2: this has been going on forever. I remember, uh, I guess it's within the last six or seven months, one of the Yankee greats that passed away it was Whitey Ford. And so much of the uh, stories that were written about Whitey Ford were about how he was famous for Cutting just it. getting in that, for just, yeah, doing that little something to the baseball, you know, that affected. This has been going on forever. I, You yeah. know, like how, how much does this bother you, Bison? You're, you're, the, you're the professional baseball player here. How much does it bother you that people doctor or mess with the baseball from the pitching mound?
0: So here's, you know, here's where it becomes offensive like rooster was just saying they we've gone to these exotic substances now that like guys are like plotting out what can I put on the ball and how can I not get caught? I mean, it's just like, look, people have been stealing signs in baseball since the start of the game, but when the Astros put a camera out in center field and start watching and relaying the, the pitch to the batters, you know, now it's a conspiracy like, right. It's like, it's like, It's just more offensive at that point. And that's where it becomes offensive. Now, this isn't a guy who's putting a little Ben Gay on his shoulder and scratching and and going to the glove. I mean, these guys are like sitting down and plotting it out. It's it's almost, it's like the steroid thing, you know, where people were trying to figure out what substance can I put in my body that won't be caught on a test? I mean, that's, that's where we're going now. It's too much gamesmanship at this point. It's not just about getting an edge. It's flat-out cheating. It's just cheating when you're going to that sort of trouble and it's part of your pregame ritual or even your off-season conditioning program is to come up with the best substance to alter the flight of the ball. That's
3: cheating. Even, even Gaylord Perry would be ashamed by these pitchers.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, I, don't think, I don't think so. <laughs> the, positive, the positive
4: in all this is there's going to be so many more hanging breaking balls now that are going to be launched out of the ballpark. Now that these guys can't use this stuff.
0: Well, that's what we need, more home runs. That's that's exactly what the game needs.
1: I want It more does home for runs, some excitement.
0: Especially uh, off
4: Trevor Bauer.
1: Hey, It'll also mean, mean more bean balls because they can't control the ball as well. Yeah. Anybody who
4: pitches in spring training with their eyes closed, I have no, I, I mean, I wish nothing but ill will on them. <laughs> You're going to pitch with your eyes closed? No, no, no. Get him out uh, of the let's,
0: game. So uh, interesting story because you know one thing I'm not sure about. I'm not sure that Bauer is the only guy who's had his uh, his balls um, his balls grabbed by Major League Baseball. Which there's just too many <laughs> there's too many options here. We'll try and keep it family. Just, just, just a little bit. Just but. this
1: round. Just this one reach around. It was only him. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Episode thirteen, so how, the sticky how, balls episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do we not? How do we not hear from the purist on this? Come on,
2: House. What do you got?
1: I, you know, I don't know what it
2: is about this whole thing with just these little tweaks inside the glove. That's something endearing about pitchers getting away with. It. There's just something like, you know, when they take the brim of the cap and they put their little sweat on their two fingers, there's something endearing about the pitcher getting away with just that little bit.
0: But that's not what they're you know, doing. These guys no, have the, like Kim, Kim Jong-un just, you know, declaring like developing, you know, weapons of mass <laughs> destruction that they can right. put on the ball and no one can right. find.
1: And sometimes it's the catcher now doing it, not the pitcher. Oh yeah. yeah, well
0: that's that's going to be the next thing is when the you're, pitcher says right, I didn't Nace. do it. The catcher did it. Who who did this? The it, catcher must have
1: done this. We'll spend the home plate umpire. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> Nace, You're totally you nailed it because if you don't do something, these guys will take it to the extreme. They will have a scientist in a basement creating some substance that's better than the other substance. You got to st- stop it or they will just go all in.
0: Yeah, where is that Balco guy now? What's he doing? He's working with
1: pitchers (laughs) probably. Someone's
4: calling him up. Hey, man, can you create some gunk
1: for me? He's got a company called Stick'Em. Yeah. (laughs) It's It's the beauty of baseball
2: because the equipment includes a glove and a bat and a ball and a helmet and a cap and all these different things that players can do something with. It's there's always going to be an effort to see what you can do to work around the game, to improve yourself. You know, it's a, it's, it's a game filled with stats and the smallest margin of error. I, there's something about it that's kind of endearing. I don't care for Trevor Bauer, but I I, I hope that they don't shut these pitchers down because the last thing I wanted to see is a bunch of 14, 12 games in the American league where they have no pitchers hitting and, and that crap.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, You know, speaking of Trevor Bauer, this seems like an appropriate place to come up with our uh, punchable face of the week,
3: right?
1: Come on, man. I'm gonna All start right. out. I'm gonna start at? out. I'm gonna start out. Punchable face by reading a rule to you. Major League Baseball Rule Five Point Zero Five B Two: A batter can proceed to first base if he is quote touched by a pitch ball which he is not attempting to hit, unless a the ball is in the strike zone when it touches the batter, or b the batter makes no attempt to avoid being touched by the ball. So if it's a strike, it doesn't matter if he's trying to avoid being being hit. If it's a strike, he's a, it's a strike, and he cannot take first base. That's what the rule says. So four days ago, the Marlins and the Mets are playing. It's the bottom of the ninth and tie score, and the Marlins relief pitch pitcher is just struggling mightily. A guy named Anthony Bass. Bases are loaded. He's got he's got uh, Michael Conforto in a one one and two count. He throws him a perfect curveball over the right over the heart of the plate for strike three. The umpire Ron Culpa is about to call strike three. You're out, and just as he starts to call it, Conforto leans in with his heavy armor on his elbow, and the pitch nicks his arm. So Culpa arm sends him hurt. to first base for a you know walk off hit by pitch, which just complete bullshit. It violates the rule. And you know what? I'm with you, Chris. I'm not, I'm not terribly upset about players pushing the limit. So I'm not saying that it's Conforto against the punchable face. People make mistakes. And even Ron Culpa came out after the game and said, I made a big mistake. I should have called them out. So now they're calling him Mia Culpa. Mia Culpa. (laughs) (laughs) My punchable face is major league baseball because You know, Donnie Baseball, the manager of the Marlins, immediately protests, so they go to the replay, and they look at the replay, and all they're allowed to look at was, did the ball make contact with Conforto? Because they deem the question of whether it was a strike or whether Conforto, if it wasn't a strike, tried to avoid being hit, they deem that as a judgment call that Culpa had to make. They, that's not reviewable. The problem is the review made it absolutely clear. A, it was a strike, and Conforto leaned into it in, intentionally trying to be hit. He, he made no effort to avoid it. If you got the technology, like I said before, use it and get it right, he was out. And he should have been called out, and they just ignored the technology. They ignored the clear vis, visual evidence And the Marlins got robbed of a game, basically. So I I give punchable face to Major League Baseball for being such pussies that they're so afraid to, you know, they're just so afraid to offend their umpires because they have a judgment call they're supposed to make. Fuck you, Major League Baseball. Get it right. (laughs) Boom. Uh,
4: Oh,
1: oh, by the way. I have
4: to do some editing there.
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way, the NCAA got this right a few years ago, and it was involving Conforto. Again, Conforto was a hell of a hitter for Oregon State. And in 132 at-bats, he got hit by 38 pitches his last year in college. Uh-oh. And the NCAA said, well, that's enough of that. So now in the NCAA, the, the judgment call the ump gets to make is, if, I, if he thinks that the player tried to get hit, he can call it a strike instead of, Taking first base, it's a strike on the batter. Um, so, it, I you know get it right. So, you know, that's, I, that's- I I agree with you. I I I think I
0: agree with you on every point. But I want to add add one. There's a, there's a simple way to stop guys from like this leaning in, and that is to outlaw some of this Kevlar body armor, right? That right. they're wearing. I mean, we we have guys in our military who are jealous of the of the armor <laughs> yeah. that Major League <laughs> <laughs> Baseball players so wear true. up at the plate. I mean, you take that armor off of his front arm there and, uh, and, and some pitcher, you know, puts a 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer into his shoulder or his ribs, and he's not going to hang over the plate like that. Now, you don't want to do it with the bases loaded in the bottom of the last inning, but you get the point. I mean, these guys... They're up there armored. I mean, this is this was Barry Bonds. I mean, Bonds did this. Yep. All good Lord, time. what did he have on? And he stood over the plate, and you know, the pitcher was already at a disadvantage. That guy cheated in every way possible. Now that you think about it, but but take the armor out of the game, and uh, you know, punish these guys. They want to get hit by a pitch. I'll hit you by with a pitch.
1: Who's going to stick their elbow into into a ninety mile exactly. plus per hour fastball ever? On, yeah. Unless you're unless it's just covered in Kevlar.
3: I mean, you know, he practices that. How do I get my armor just to the point where it nicks the ball coming over the strike zone, and you know, I can get a base when I need a base. Well, right, you need one base and you win the game. Perfect that, opportunity. That like, and helps. I'm and I don't that fault him
1: for doing this. I mean, he's trying to win the game for his team. But but I will tell you that uh, Ron Darling and and Hawk Harrelson in the Mets booth hated it. They hated it. They were disgusted that the Mets won that game that way. Yeah, as
3: they should. Well, be. it's because they're purists. Uh, first, they're purists first, like South.
2: First, let me, from this purist point of view, let me just first say the Federal Communications Commission. Please don't punch us in the face. But <laughs> Mike Fallon's on vacation and he's had a drink or two. But second of all, <laughs> you know, I agree. I, I agree with everything that you you said, except for I I do believe that the punch should go to Conforto's face. I mean, I, you can't just finish a whole discussion about trying to stop these guys from cheating what Conforto was trying to do was cheat he was trying to cheat his way to victory in that game yes Major League Baseball compounded the problem but Conforto leaned in like Pope said he practiced it with this Kevlar on and he took one on the arm for a win he deserves the first punch in the face and then you come in with the uppercut to Major League Baseball he, he he violated the two rules that Rooster laid out in the very beginning that's
1: in yeah.
3: essence, cheating.
1: But uh, let us let me push back on that because I'm pretty damn sure that there's a rule in baseball against putting a foreign substance on the ball. And none of you had any problem with that until it got to be a little too sophisticated. <laughs>
0: <I> mean, that, <laughs> that's,
1: that's why I think <laughs> <the> Kevlar.
0: <laughs> I don't, you know what? I look, I don't like the idea of leaning into a pitch like that. But if you're standing up there, bases are loaded and it's the bottom of the inning, you need to push one in, and a pitcher lets one get away. I don't think you have to drop to the dirt that quickly, right? I mean, if you don't mind taking it in the back or something, you do that. But leaning over the plate, again, with the body armor on. I mean, that's
2: into the strike zone, pushling, like, into the strike into zone, into the that's,
1: heart of the strike zone. Yeah, it's outrageous. But that was, was just th- a bad call. Yeah. What is, what is the ump's should,
4: responsibility? That, that
1: was strike three, regardless strike of whether three. it hit him. It was strike I mean, the, catch, three.
0: the catcher even caught it. That's how little contact yeah. there was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it right. was right, You know, the yeah. catcher caught the pitch.
1: Well, I'll admit that when I first started thinking about this story, I wanted to give Conforto the punch, too. And then I thought about how excited I was when Jim Laretz got hit by a pitch in the World Series for the Yankees in the 90s. And I thought, wow, what a hero. What a great job. Pete Pete Rose did it, too. Pete
2: Pete Rose put his thigh right into a ball. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Well, I
0: mean, between – the Phillies Braves game last night. Trevor Bauer and the and the uh, 2021 spitball version and Conforto in the hit by pitch. I'm pretty sure uh, Major League Baseball just got their ass kicked up and yeah. down
1: this podcast <laughs> today. So. not a good look for Major League Baseball yeah. this week. Yeah,
4: I just like to say I'm against all of these things that we talked about unless it benefits my team. <laughs> yeah.
1: Totally cool yeah.
4: yeah. Well,
0: you're a small market. You guys got to do what you got to do. We need right? any any right. help we can right. get. So. That's right. right. That's right. So all right, guys. Anything else? Nothing? Big shout
2: out to Hope 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 Troutwine, North Texas mean green softball pitcher who just threw a perfect game yesterday with 21 strikeouts. You know how wow. unbelievable that is? The entire is. every single out in the game was recorded by her strikeout. That's a division one team, too. That's pretty cool. That's nuts.
3: That is my That's favorite awesome. softball team.
1: <laughs> oh, there it is. He's oh connected to it. Oh, my God. Here we go. Oh, no. oh That is God. the perfect ending. Oh, that is the it. perfect ending. On that note, tell right, us. Everybody, have a good week. See you week. next week. See Hasta ya. Vista friends.